Jai Shri Shri Varada Madhava Ki Jai Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai Gaur Premanande So Dutlal Chandra asked me a question today at lunch. I gave him a brief answer. I thought it was an interesting topic. So we can, uh, I would suggest we answer it here. I, it may not be too more, too elaborate, but uh, you may be, is that okay? Sure. You may be um, aware, well, um, the Bhagavatam, the tenth canon of the Bhagavatam explains that uh, Nanda Maharaj and Yashodamayi and Devaki and Vasudev, the two uh, sets of Krishna's parents, the Madhurya and the Aishvarya settings of Vrindavan and Mathura are described in the text as in terms of their previous births and what they underwent in terms uh, that that resulted in the good fortune of having Krishna as their son. I believe that Vasudeva and Devaki are described as being is it Prishni and and um, hmm? Sutapa, Prishni and Sutapa, and uh, Nanda Maharaj and Yashoda as uh, memory fails me, but you're probably familiar with the um, the text without. The, Remembrance of the names. Mm-hmm. There are other statements in the Bhagavatam that are um, similar. Uh, statements that, for example, led Madhvacharya to believe that the gopis were apsaras um, in their previous life, which means heavenly damsels who came to earth. And it's one of the points that he um, puts forward in his doctrine that we, we, we differ with. There are a number of them. Um, <clears throat> Drona and Dara. Drona and Dara. And uh, I, I can't remember exactly the, you know what they did, but I remember austerities, wearing tree bark, eating only things that fell from the trees, and so on and so forth. Um, in some of their other yuga. Um, so they were extraordinary people. Um, and, and so, again, there are statements about, uh, that could lead one to interpret the Bhagavatam mm, in a way that rendered the gopis as apsaras in their previous lives and, and so forth. So, um, <clears throat> it's, uh, the Aracharyas obviously felt it was important to address this because that would make Krishna's parents sadhana siddhas, which would mean that there was a time when he didn't have any parents. Because sadhana siddhas are those of the previously uh, buddha muktas, uh, excuse me, buddha jivas, jivas that are materially conditioned from a time with, without beginning anadi karma, and by the ingress of bhakti into their lives, they become eternally uh, liberated on the other side from then onward, right? 
But again, um, if um, Radharani and Leta Vishaka and Chandravali were heavenly damsels who took birth in the, in the Leela, um, then at some point there was no Radharani in Krishna's, Krishna's life, it would, it would seem. <clears throat> That's one side of the problem. And the other side, of course, is the things that they're described as doing in the case of Dronandara, Sutapa, and, and Prishni don't um, constitute what we understand to be from Srila Rupa Goswami, Prabhupada Raghunuga Bhakti, which is the way to attain a position like a mother or to attain Vatsali Rasa or Sakya Rasa or Madhuri Rasa as may be the case. And um, that way is quite uh, specific. An example to help us illustrate that is that Lakshmi wanted to enter the Rasalila with Krishna, but, but she couldn't because she didn't follow the way of Rag Bhakti, right? She did austerities and penances and braj and so that's part of the teaching. There's a way to, to, to enter there. And that is the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Shri Gauranga Mahaprabhu Kijai. So, on its face, ostensibly, the Bhagavatam is, um, says things that require some, it would seem, some fancy explanation to get around, if you will, um, in order to uphold its position. But it's not the case that it requires a fancy explanation at all. Um, and this, of course, uh, brings to light the importance that I mentioned the other night of Jiva Goswami's work in Bhakti Sandarbha, where he labors hard to establish that there's something called the Sarup Shakti. And of course, Bhakti is constant of that Sarup Shakti, and um, it makes for eternal associates of Krishna. Mother, father, lover, friends, and so forth. Um And therefore, if we, and this is, a, this is something that obviously Jiva Goswami draws entirely from Srimad Bhagavatam, here and there a little bit other places, but the book, the, the Sandarbhas are basically a necklace of verses from Srimad Bhagavatam explaining the implications of them, and through the Bhagavatam establishing certain very uh, fundamental uh, tattvas of Gaudiya Vedanta and the tattva of the Shakti tattva and within that the Swarup Shakti is, you couldn't get a more uh, central uh, tattva to Gaudiya Vaishnavism than that. Again, Bhakti herself is constituted of, of the, of the Swarup Shakti. It's what makes the Leela go round and in the light, uh, under the light of which Krishna shines more brightly than than otherwise, without which um, he's still, if you will, and um, uh, and and undifferentiated near Vishesh. So, as Prabhupada often would say, Krishna's never alone. That's the implication of it, to put it in very simple terms. <clears throat> so he. Uh, 
insightfully draws from the Bhagavatam to establish this principle, which really makes for a whole spiritual world. Hmm? Again, it's an environment hmm, that is in contrast to the material environment, the Maya Shakti. You know there's a Maya Shakti, so if there's another world, there has to be an environment uh, that um, it manifests within. Hmm? And that is the under the the jurisdiction of the of the of the Shakti Tattva. So, uh, without going into all of his arguments, obviously, we can hear that from Nulal's um, classes or from studying the Bhagavatam and Dharma ourselves and, and the Bhagavatam. Um, so, given the extent to which the Bhagavatam makes this point clear again and again, as Jiva Goswami shows. Hmm, then um, we understand, well, the statements that seem to say that at some point Krishna didn't have a mother and father, for example, they can't be taken in that way, to be understood in that way. Otherwise, it would mean there is no surup shakti that manifests as Krishna's parents. The leela has a beginning at some point in, in time when these sadhana siddhas become, and so forth and so on. Um, Hmm. I mean, it's not sufficient to say that there's Srupa Shakti, and it's okay, and at a certain point it manifests in, in these uh, these devotees, and then they become the father and mother, and, and so this is a. It would again, it would make Krishna's uh, childhood, in the case of Vatsalya Rasa, something that had a beginning in 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 time. Hmm? You understand? So. It's important to note that he, he, the Goswamis, in their theology and philosophy, they have brought out these core issues that are radiating from the Bhagavatam, and around which other points have to be understood or don't even need to be answered or addressed if you understand those points. Like, for example, I'll give you another example of that. Some people say, "Well, where does it say in the Bhagavatam?" I mean, just clearly. No one falls from Vaikuntha in a verse. Well, it doesn't. See? Okay, then. Maybe we do. No. <laughs> no. Uh, the question, if you understand what the Bhagavatam is saying, the question doesn't arise. It's already, it's, it's answered so that the question doesn't make any sense. Hmm? And so, the, so there's a, there are a number of questions that will arise within our minds as a result of not being acquainted with the tattva, hmm? that if you are acquainted with it, they just don't arise. That's why there's no statement about it, because it's 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 obviously not, it's, there's, no, there's no question. Hmm? That's just uh, one uh, example, and there are other questions that may arise as well that are similarly similarly due to not being acquainted with core tenets, principles, tattvas of the text. Hmm? So. As soon as you read that uh, something that seems to say that the associates of Krishna are sadhana siddhas, or that they came to their their place as uh, as ragatmikas, which is contradictory. Ragatmika means in whom there is anadi siddha samskar, hmm? a tendency samskar in this sense, hmm? an impression that is siddha, perfect, and anadi, has no beginning. So, and this is pointed out in Bhaktivarasamrita Sindhu in the commentary. So, their, their natural, inborn, 
attraction to serving Krishna as parents, friends, lovers, and so forth, has no beginning. It's inherent in them. These are, these are Radha, uh, Yashoda, Nanda, Subal, Sridham, Lalita, Vishaka, manifestations of the Sarup Shakti, where we are manifestations of the Tattva Shakti that can be imbued with the influence of the Sarup Shakti and thereby have a place, uh, a role, a part in the Leela. Hmm? And uh, as such, Krishna has eternal parents and so on and so forth. Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, so if we're thoughtful and, and are well acquainted, we read that section and we say, well, that can't be on two counts. First of all, the parents of Krishna can't be sadhana siddhas. There can be sadhana siddhas who develop the bhava of uh, parents, vatsalya bhava. Chaitanya hmm? Charitamrita um, says along the same lines, nitya siddha krishna prem, sadhya says it positively and negatively. The prem, like vatsalya prem, sakya prem, Shingar Prem, Madhurya Prem, is eternal. The ideal that which we want to attain is not something that's a product of what we do that wasn't existing previously. It's something that eternally exists that we want to attain. We should hope that our ideal is eternal. I mean, that's why we're here. Right, uh, because we've concluded, as the Gita says, Abrahma All the worlds up to Brahmalok are temporary. Residence there is not permanent. By contrast, my abode, Punar Janmana. Again, Punar Janma means. Janma, birth, just making sure you know the word. Punar Janma, na, not, not taking birth again, means residence in my abode is eternal. Residence in every other abode is not eternal. Even if it's Brahma's, which it looks like it's eternal and doesn't fit on the calculator, uh, and you might, want to, might as well say, well, it's as good as eternal, but it's, but it's not. It's a fraction, of course, in comparison to eternity, any number of years is is next to zero, right? Next to nothing. So, we should, we are interested in an ideal that's eternal, not something that is a product of what we do that's not existing now, but it will come into existence and then it will go out of existence, which is the nature of karmic acquisitions. Acquisitions in this world, which include Brahmaloka, Acquiring residence in Brahmaloka are temporary. Hmm? Uh, acquiring residence in Krishna's abode is not temporary and is a different way of going about it, how to attain it. Hmm? Right? So we should, uh, there, so the, uh, the ideal of Sakya Bhava, uh, of Vatsalya Bhava, Madhurya Bhava, they have to be eternally existing if our ideal is eternal. So there have to be eternally existing without any beginning 
paradigmatic figures that embody Vatsalya. Yashoda is number one in that. Rohini, number two. Nanda Maharaj, number three, something like that. The big three. <laughs> and then, of course, that's with Madhuri above, and sweetness and intimacy. If you go to Mathura, then it's Vasudeva and Devaki, there's some Aishvarya in there above. Not too much, but some. Hmm? And, and that kind of bhav is eternal too. And the bhavas in Dwarka are eternal. Hmm? Right? Because without them, there is no Krishna. Without a mother, there is no child Krishna. Without friends, there's no coward friend Krishna. Right? Without lovers, there's no Gopi Janabalava. You see, that's the, this is the beta beta equation, where love of God and God are one and different. Teacher and student, there's no, there's no meaning to a teacher without students, right? Mm-hmm. But they're different, but they're, they're, they're one. It's a, there's a dynamic union. So this ideal that we pursue, it's eternal. Mm-hmm. Its nature is that it's always, whether it be Vatsalya Bhav or Sakya Bhav or Madhuri Bhav, it's always manifesting in newer and newer ways to please Krishna. That's what it does. So one of the ways is which, in which it does it is it manifests within us. Hmm? Hmm? And then we become a manifestation of it in the world, which is a new manifestation, but it's a new manifestation of, of a substance, if you will, of a tattva that, is, that has no beginning, that's eternal. Hmm? In case you think, well, okay, if I go to Golok, then there's a beginning in time in Golok. I wasn't there before. But what you are there is this bhava. This bhava is existing, and its nature is that it expresses itself in newer, newer ways, always for the pleasure of Krishna. Hmm? And again, this is one of the ways by manifesting within us through the grace of his Kripa Shakti, which is uh, what his devotees who distribute bhakti are the uh, embodiment of. Hmm? So the generosity of this Surup Shakti. Shiramarsh called it a great welfare state. The Sarup Shakti is providing for everybody. And, and he, he said the Sarup Shakti is not blind. So they, she notices our efforts. Hmm? And when we feel ourselves unqualified, Sarup Shakti will think, oh, you're qualified. <laughs> you're very qualified. You really feel unqualified. And she's attracted. When you feel unqualified, based on my material assets, of course, that repels her. So, so again, our ideal is eternal, hmm? and it is embodied. Hmm? So, Nityasiddha Krishna Prem Satyakabhuna, it's eternally existing, it's not a product of anything that, that we do. We do do things, we do, we do use our head, soften our heart, we do make an effort to get grace. Hmm? Yes, but you see, it's not... Uh, it's not it's not by works alone this Bible says something like that you will attain the kingdom of God but by grace and then work in relation to grace right God helps him who helps himself once he opens the door <laughs> through the opportunity to pursue him um, so so when we read when we understand these see this is just an example of how it's important to understand the tattvas, hmm? and how they will answer questions 
put to rest question. And if you don't understand the tattva or how to go about it, then these questions will continue to loom and get in the way of your progress and, and so on. Hmm? So one who is uh, well-equipped, like uh, educated, like like your the, the principal players in, in Jaiva Dharma of Bhaktivinotaku, Vijay Kumar and Rajanath, uh, you want to be Bhagavat readers like them. If you're reading the Bhagavatam and you come across a section like the Goswamis did, they know, okay, well, it's saying that Nanda and Yashoda were drawn on Dara. Some explanation is required here. Hmm? Otherwise, it appears to say one thing. Now, another point here is that it, what it appears to say is also true and not true. It appears to say that Drona and Dara uh, are it had it were, the previous lives are now Nanda and Yashoda. It's true, and Nanda and Yashoda are not Drona and Dara. <laughs> That's also true. Hmm? That means that the Bhagavatam accommodates uh, a a a um, a somewhat uh, broad theistic perspective. One, for example, in which Madhva can feel comfortable, even with his kind of on-the-surface reading of it. After all, it's said about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent, which is to give news about Goloka, that it's such a novel dispensation and so extraordinary that it's being given to the people of the world how so give us an example of how extraordinary it is even the people in vaikuntha don't know about that realm about goloka we know more than the people in vaikuntha and madva's a vaikuntha person for example, Ramanuja, Vaikuntha person, hmm? they understand it differently. They understand, for example, Krishna as an avatar of Narayan. Hmm? Narayan on, on Janamastami shows some Brajalila, semblance of it in, in Vaikuntha. Hmm? Oh, he does that too. Nice. Hmm? Um, but the idea of participating in that, that it's a world unto itself, that it is the Mahabhaikuntha that's mentioned sparsely here and there in the Purana. Nana Shastra Vichara Naikanipano Saddharma Samstapako Lokanam Hittakarino Jubhane Mundo Sharanyakaro. How the Goswamis knew the texts and with what heart they pursued explaining them out of compassion for the people of the world. They, they they said and such and such Purana it said and there is a Mahavaikuntha that is a reference to Goloka because it says in this Purana also how they they were they were scholars of uh, of uh, extraordinaire hmm. um, and they were just handmaidens on pre-adolescent uh, village girls what is that place and, that contains that kind of knowledge and and the love there suppresses it. But when they come to this world where knowledge is, is lacking, they manifest it. 
and in such measure, in such measure that it makes Vaikuntha look like a small place, a small idea, comparatively. The idea of being love, a small idea of love, reverential love, dasya, in comparison to the possibilities of sakya, patsalya, madhurya, and divisions within them, and so on and so forth. Very extraordinary. So, point here is that on its face it says such, and comments like those of Madhva, uh, for example, are not wrong. That's a Baikunta perspective. And it's true. Drona and Dara became Yashoda and Nanda. But how did they become? This is the question that, that, that we re- requires that our chairs Chariots will answer. We we can't answer. We can only say, that doesn't make sense. Help. Jiva Goswami, we need help. How could... We should know on its face if we understand the basic tattva of the Bhagavatam. Wait a minute. Nanda and Yashoda are nityasiddhas. They embody the the essence of the Vatsalya Bhava. They have to be there. How could they be sadness? Something, there's some better, some further explanation is required here. Hmm. So, to that, we should have the question, in coming to our rescue, is the, is the, is the, is the commentaries of the Acharyas, who know it as well and have an answer, how it works. How they can be hmm, residents of heaven, for example, apsaras, and they can be, uh, have a previous life on earth, of, of spiritual practice, and they can be Nanda and Yashoda, hmm? and not be Nanda and Yashoda at the same time. So, again, there's a way to attain these bhavas of Golok. Of Golok, we should say, of Braj within Golok. And there are also ways to attain the Vaidhi Bhakti and Dwarka. Even, uh, and so, but we are interested in uh, the whirl of the lotus of Goloka, the center. This is called Gokul. It's called Gokul because it so much corresponds with the Gokul on earth. It's the Gokul within Golok. There are other possibilities within Golok. Some Aishvarya and Golok to work is full of Aishvarya. Hmm? Aishvarya Bhav. There is full Aishvarya in Gokul too, but there's not Aishvarya Bhav. Krishna shows extraordinary Aishvarya and Braj. He shows millions of universes and Narayans and Brahmas emanating from himself. We thought Mahavishnu was pretty opulent, manifesting universes from the pores of his body. Krishna's manifesting Narayans who are manifesting universes from the pores of their body. In Vrindavan, Brahmas saw this with his four heads and they went wherever spinning around. Hmm? He tried to pay obeisances with all four heads at the same time. It wasn't possible. Um, there's so there's a very powerful manifestation of Aishvarya, but Aishvarya Bhav is not there. The inhabitants are not don't enter into the Aishvarya Bhav. They say, "Huh, that's a funny looking guy with four heads. Where did he come from? Something like that. <laughs> One of the gods." Oh, jeez. And there's Krishna talking to him in Sanskrit, okay. He knows he knows all the languages. So, um
so there's 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 um there's a, anyway, there, there's a, what was I saying? The way? Yeah, how, how they can be. Yeah. So there's a way to attain that ideal of the ragatmikas, it's called raganuga. And um, and our interest, this is my point, is to attain that. We want the ragabhakti of Braj, we don't want to attain Mathura or Dwaraka, which is within Goloka. So, there are other possibilities of within Goloka. We have a certain possibility that is to attain the ideal and the manifestation of the Leela that is most similar to the Boma Leela, the manifest Leela on earth, most human-like, it is sometimes referred to as Deva Leela there and, and, and Nara Leela here to distinguish it. Sanatana Goswami says, ah, it means that the Kadamba trees are bigger there. <laughs> so, not that much, Aishvarya. Hmm. Uh, sometimes, of course, it is described as the the, the Lila, unmanifest Brajlila, palaces and jewels, pillars and, and so forth. But the, these descriptions are meant to say that, the, the, that these things are so abundant that they're just, you know, it's common. It's not like, wow, everything's made of all these wonderful things. That does it. That's just, I mean, the, the, the dust is producing love of Krishna. What to speak of gold and copper and lapis and uh, sapphires. And we use them for the foundation. <laughs> Something like that. It's, it's making that kind of a point, right? Love of Krishna is, this is the, this is the real wealth. This is the, is the premodhan, harinam sanki, sankirtan. Nartan says, Goloker Premodhan Harinam Sankirtan. This is the wealth, the, uh, the dispensation of wealth from Golok. It's love, it's Prem <clears throat> through Sankirtan that Mahaprabhu was brought to the world. So, this is our method. This is the method to his madness. This is our ideal. <clears throat> and it's uh, it's a specific path, obviously, um, with details and so forth. And um, so, how we approach that path is one thing. How it's approached from heaven is slightly different. But in essence, it's the same. If you want to attain the ideal of Madhurya Rasa, Sakya Rasa, Bhattali Rasa, you have to follow and identify with those devotees that are the embodiments of that love. So. If you want to attain Vatsali Baba, you have to identify with Yashoda's love. Right? She becomes the paradigmatic figure that you, uh, through, through, through whose eyes, you, you are, whose eyes become the lens. It's very interesting because there's a philosopher um, who years ago, what is his name? Um, I forget now, but he wrote a book called uh, he either wrote a book or he made a statement. Uh, I read one of his books after that, but I don't know if it was a book, but a statement. What's it like to be a bat? What's it like to be a bat? His point is, you know, who knows? I mean, <laughs> what's it like to be a tree? What's it like to be a squirrel is the point. What's it like to be a mouse? What's it like to be 
your wife. What's it like to be your, your friend? You really only get some idea from your vantage point, right? With inside yourself, your subjective experience is your own. It's nobody else's. Hmm? This is a famous, uh, well-known idea in modern philosophy, of course, that there's a private experience, hmm? subjective experience of every individual that no one else can entirely share in. What's it like to be a bat? Hmm? So this, this, there's this uh, impenetrable subjective uh, perspective. Uh, so it's part of a, a building block, uh, if you will, um, this idea for a um, for making a position for consciousness to be independent of matter. Uh, David Chalmers, another famous Australian philosopher, uh, picked up on that idea and, and came up with his famous now term, the hard problem of consciousness. The hard problem, as you can you can find, correlates between what we think is a mind and a brain, hmm? mental states and things that happen in the brain. But why, where, where, where come the Come from where in the brain comes this idea that I am a self and that I'm and having experiences which are sub- subjective that that's like weird it doesn't like fit within the brain so I so said we can resolve many problems about mental states and brains but we can't the basic one the very basic one that's hard hmm. it, it is, I think his conclusion is it's not resolvable. There is a mind, and it's not a brain. And of course, we say that too. Of course, we say mind is also matter, but a different, differently constituted matter than the gross matter. And both of them, mind and body, are driven by consciousness proper itself. Um, and the mediation between consciousness and mind, mind and matter, is is sound. Actually, that's the Vedic teaching. It's that which makes matter information. Anyway, it's a big topic, um, which is, is has, that has some, um, how you say, some credence in modern philosophical thought as it keeps running into the, to the dead end of trying to make the mind and consciousness out to be nothing but fit, but something physical. Hmm. So, um, I'm not sure we got there, but, uh, so the so, but now that said, each individual has its own. That has its own experience. You can't have that experience. Your mother has a certain experience. You can, but actually in yoga you can. It said, that's very interesting. It said that Shankar entered into the body of a, of a harlot, wasn't it, or something like that? Uh, yeah, to have her experience about sex, so you get thoroughly exhausted. Exhaust the idea. Something. Uh, there's a story like that. Um, one of his students' wife wanted to know. Uh, he couldn't answer. So he says, well, "I don't know anything." So, the Kama Sutra. so he entered into a harlot or something like that, and experienced from her perspective. So this is this is part of the yogic world, right? Mm-hmm. And. Um, and of course, for us, 
Krishna wants to know what it's like to be Radharani. That's basically what he wants. And he's successful. So <laughs> we've got an interesting technology here by where this, where this private region can be penetrated. Hmm? Um, and that's what Raghunuga Bhakti is about. Hmm? We want to learn to see, in the case of Vatsalya, to see Krishna Leela through the lens of the experience of Dashoda by identifying with her. Hmm? And of course, there's there's a whole practice to that. There are things to do, things not to do, and so forth, and and so on. But uh, rag anuga anuga means to follow, and to follow the way of rag, which is embodied by the rag atmikas, those who in whom that tendency to worship Krishna, love Krishna, in the way that they do is inborn, and eternal. Hmm? So we want to follow that eternal bhava. We, I was saying the other day, we don't want to be peace, we want to be love. So to be that. You can't, of course, at the same time it's qualified. You can't be Yashoda. You can't be Sridham. You can't be Lalita. But you can be in the bhava of Lalita, which is to be a manifestation of the same bhava and experience uh, through a variety of activities. Hmm? Your service may be different, for example, but experience the same bhava and the same development of the, of the stai, sneha, pranaya, you know, so forth. Um, hold on a sec. So, so uh, this kind of projecting, and as one becomes qualified, and identification with the eternal associates, this is the way of sadhana for us, and it's the way of sadhana for those in heaven. Hmm? But the way it plays out, in essence is the same, but the way it plays out is a little different. For us, we we know what the sadhana is. We hear, we chant, we cleanse the heart, so on and so forth. Um, smarana becomes possible, and, and, and so on. Hmm? We don't enter into the body of Nanda and Yashoda when they take birth in the world. We enter into the Leela, wherever it's manifest, in a form of Sakyabhava or Vatsalyabhava, whatever may be the case. And we get the association of Yashoda and Nanda. We can't become them, but we can become, in essence, what they are, constituted of the same Bhava, or influenced, let's say, by the same Bhava. We're still Tathasta Shakti, but we're completely under the influence of the Surup Shakti. This is two subjective things mixing together, not the objective and the subjective trying to make a mix like matter and consciousness. No. Hmm? Still, we're, t- we're, we're different than them. They're Surup Shakti, we're Tathasta Shakti, but Tathasta Shakti lends itself to be influenced, right? Hmm? To be influenced by the Surup Shakti and experience the bhava, same bhava. So, in essence, this is our path, and this is the path for anyone, no matter where you come from. But if you're coming from heaven, you may know that when, when Brahma went to the shore of the ocean of milk, at the, at the behest of all the gods and goddesses, because of the plagued, the troubled, burdened condition of the earth, hmm? Krishna said to Vishnu, said, I will come. Hmm? Tell the demigods to take birth hmm? on earth to assist me. Right? So, demigods is a broad term. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, uh, the, the, the devas 
there's all kinds of devas. There's not every one of them is not a Brahma or a Shiva. There's so many denizens, let's say, of the heavenly planets, hmm? heavenly people, and there's a couple of ways of getting there. Hmm? The standard way of getting there is through pious activities in the Varnashram system, which is a it's a method for uh, acquiring um, material advancement, improvement, happiness. Hmm? And it really culminates in um, attaining the uh, residence in the heavenly world. Or it said, if a hundred lifetimes fully, perfectly following the Varnashram, one can become a Brahma. Hmm? Right? He's pious, super pious. You don't need to be that good to get to heaven in general. But that's the general course. And when you arrive in the heaven, then you enjoy unlimitedly, without any karmic repercussions, and then that all good karma is exhausted because it's not eternal, and then you come back down to earth and start again. So the roller coaster. That's just, it's a real high climb, and it's a real low fall. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and Krishna says this in the Gita. What, what does he say? He says, they... They go there and they come back. Hmm? So, repeatedly he says this. So, there's another way to go there. Hmm? And that way is yoga. And this is mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter when, I think we mentioned it the other day, Arjuna was troubled by the idea of uh, that yoga practice was not, was not easy. And he might not be successful. Krishna assured him, in this path you'll be successful. You don't have to worry. Hmm? No harm there. And especially with regard to bhakti yoga, which the chapter ends with saying it's the best kind of yoga, the results are eternal. Even a little result is eternal. Even if you do it, don't do it right, but you do it in the right spirit, you get the results, not like karma. You can do it with the right spirit, but do it wrong and you won't get the right result. Hmm? So on the karmic end of religious spectrum, you've got to do everything perfect to get the result. In bhakti, even if your execution is faulty, if your heart's in the right place, well, Babagrahi Janardana, that's what he's called. He's he's moved by the feeling. So put, put the heart in the right place and, and go from there. Hmm? His, 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 who are his people anyway? These coward people, they look like they don't know, they don't understand the Vedas and, and all these things. Of course, if we look carefully, we see they understand really well. <laughs> At any rate, Krishna says that, he goes on and he says, that if by practicing yoga one is not successful, if by practicing for a short period one is not successful, one will take birth in the family of... one will go to heaven. If one practices for some time, one will go to heaven. And after exhausting so many pious results, he'll take birth in a, in a pious family and where there's yoga samskar and he'll take, out, take it up again. Or if one's very more close to being perfect and isn't perfect, then he may take birth in a family of transcendentalists hmm? and pick up again where he or she left off. So there's a possibility for going to heaven by imperfect practice of yoga. Hmm? So if you want to go to heaven, it's better to do imperfect practice of yoga then try to go there by Varnashram, <laughs> which has to be a perfect execution 
And it's not easy to do Varnashram. It's not easy to do yoga, but you could do it imperfectly <laughs> and still get a, a, a very extraordinary result. And the result is very extraordinary because you can go to heaven, but you're going there for a different reason. Hmm? Your actual intention is not to go there, but you might have some lingering desires, and so, but that you're, you have a larger intention, so you're a special person in heaven. Hmm? And it may be such that while you're there, Krishna Leela manifests in the world. Hmm? Hmm? And now, and Krishna said, send the denizens of heaven down here to assist me. Who's going to be called? Those who have some bhakti samskara hmm? in the heavens. They will come. Hmm? Now, what Drona and Dara did in the previous life is not what we do. They're not doing Harinam Sankirtan, but they're not in Kali Yuga. Hmm? So, the austerities of Kali Yuga are to observe Ekadasi, observe Janmastami. It's not too hard. Hmm? Um, uh, but in previous Yugas, they're different. And austerity is a principle. By which we progress. Brahma was told tapa, tapa, hmm? sacrifice. So, how they did is different, but it was nonetheless the, the pursuit of bhakti they had as their ideal. I want to become the parent of, of Krishna, of God. I want God to be my son. They had, they go, by somehow, by Sangha, they got this, 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 this idea. Hmm? And, and also, they probably had to wait for Kali Yuga to come around, for it to, you know, for, for the Krishna Leela just be, any prior to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Anyway, so it's especially when Krishna comes and brings his Leela. And so, anyway, so they weren't fully successful. Hmm? They went to heaven. They came back and they merged with the bodies of Nanda and Yashoda, and in that way, in ways that denizens of heaven can that we can't on earth and they got their association they saw the world and the leela through the lens of Nandanishoda and they attained that kind of bhava hmm? and anything that's spoken about Nandanishoda that seems to differ from how they would be or what would happen to them hmm? um, like whatever it might be, uh, uh, pertains to those Jorn and Dara, not, not to themselves. Hmm? And so this is, uh, in essence, the an example of such people following Raganuga Bhakti to attain their ideal. Hmm? So this, there, this is how it's been explained in by, by the... I'm elaborating a little bit, if you'll allow me. Uh, uh, indulge me. Uh, to give a comprehensive explanation of these important uh, and interesting uh, type of questions about the eternal associates of Krishna and how to attain his abode and their good company. Yes? Uh, well, you said at one point you cannot become Yusanda or Nanda. Yeah. But it sure seems like Drona and Dara, they were in the same body. Yeah, but they didn't become them. I know. I, mean, <laughs> I understand. It's, it's a way of saying that that's how close you've got to get with these, to, the, to, the, to the associates of Krishna. You have to be so much identified 
with, with them and see the world through the, their lens and so forth. See the Leela through their lens. Yes. So was, did the same thing happen with Sita Ram? Because uh, Prabhupada said, I'm quoting you now, that, um, that Sita wasn't Sita. Was it Maya Sita? Yes, because she could never have been stolen if it was Sita. Yeah, that might be, it could be thought of similar, but I think it's a little different. I think that Sita manifested a illusory form of herself for the sake of Rabba, because it sure would be, uh, wouldn't be very pleasant for a sadhaka to have to um, hang out with Ravana, right? So it's a little bit different. She manifested an illusory form. He thought he had Sita, but she herself became unmanifest, because that Srupa Shakti cannot be, um, if you will, defiled by the by the Maya Shakti, that Ravana is a manifestation of. Yes? So Drona and Dara, at the end of Krishna's manifest pastimes, they would have gone back to the unmanifest globe and just be in that bog. Yeah, they would have attained Vatsali Rasa. Yeah, they, they attained, yeah. Would they have separate bodies? Or just... Yeah, yeah, they'd have their own bodies. <laughs> yeah. But when the, uh, uh, when the Yadus when they left their body, they went back to heaven. So you, could you delineate the difference between your response to Samadhi and, and the Yadus? And they, it said they went back to their positions in the heavenly planet. Yeah, it said the Pandavas went to heaven in the thinking of, in the Mahabharata also, right? So. Well, that would be, yeah. That was similar, is that what you're saying? Well, I'm saying that the Yadus never left Dwarka. Yeah. Those portion of the Yadus, which were the demigods, went and beat each other to death, not the Yadus. Mm-hmm. So, and then they returned to heaven, is what or you're saying. They had been so much into Rigatmikas, following in their footsteps, that actually they would have attained their eternal position. Yeah, well, they should have, but I guess they didn't. <laughs> well, they, they, they didn't. They didn't learn some more or something. I mean, you can't. You know, weigh in on every particular case, but this is this is the, this is the the, the principle. Mm-hmm. Um, they had something to do to be something for to be. Sometimes they have to finish out yeah. normal life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We find the example of Ajamil. They had to finish out. He had the epiphany, everything, and then go to Haridwar, and then he had to practice, and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, Sumit Bhagavatam ki jai, Shishigo Radhamadava ki jai, Gaur Bhaktivarinda ki jai, Gaud Premanandi.